from Kurtco Media. Travel It Matters MasterChef series is brought to you by Accor, a world-leading hospitality group. And brought to you by Stone Street Estate Vineyards in Sonoma County, California. Food, family, France, and beyond with the legendary chef, Danielle Belude. I'm Bruce Wallen, and this is the Travel That Matters Master Chef Series. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Travel That Matters Master Chef Series, where we are talking to some of the world's top chefs about their favorite places to travel all around the world. First, let me just say, for those of you who are new to Travel That Matters, I'm Bruce Wallen. I'm a longtime magazine editor and travel journalist. And on this show, we explore the world's most exceptional and meaningful travel experiences with some of the fascinating people I have met through my work and travels over the years. I'm incredibly honored today to welcome the legendary chef, Danielle Belude as my guest. I met Danielle at the Rosewood Baja Mar in the Bahamas, where he has a restaurant, Cafe Belude. And I'll say that the night before I interviewed him, I had one of the best meals of my entire life at Cafe Belude, and for sure, one of the single best dishes I've ever tasted, which he is going to explain for us here in a bit. Danielle will also share his insider tips on visiting France, particularly the area around Lyon, where he grew up. But of course, Chef Belude is a global traveler and entrepreneur. He has seven restaurants in New York City alone, including the Michelin two-star Danielle. He has other restaurants everywhere from Dubai, where he has a brasserie Belude at the Sofitel Obelisk Hotel, to here in my hometown of LA, where he is about to open a new Cafe Belude in Beverly Hills. I'm very excited about that. Danielle has also traveled extensively in Japan and Latin America and all points in between, frequently with his kids, who he says do not get excited about all of the amazing Michelin star meals that he drags them into. That's something I can definitely relate to, not so much on the Michelin star level, maybe, but in the sense that some of the best food experiences can certainly be lost on kids. That's something I talk a bit about after my interview with Danielle. So be sure to stick around until the end and to follow Travel That Matters so you don't miss any of our upcoming MasterChef episodes featuring Curtis Stone, Gail Simmons, Gregory Gorday, and other culinary greats. But for now, let's get started with the one and only Danielle Balut. I am very, very happy to welcome Chef Danielle Belude to Travel That Matters. Chef, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast and uh, for traveling all the way to the Bahamas. Well, that, that was not a tough decision to make. I will say last night here at the Rosewood, you hosted a black and white truffle dinner yes. at, the, at, at your restaurant here. There was one, everything was amazing, but there was one dish in there that I want to eat it every single day for the rest of my life. It was the, the ravioli oh, yes. with the egg. Can you just describe that dish for, for our audience? I, I, I want to, I want to, I'm going to try to make it at home, but tell me about that. Of course, I would like to give credit where credit is due. This dish is actually a very classic dish. The first time I had this dish in a maybe different version, but similar with the egg yolk in the center of the ravioli 
was in a restaurant called San Domenico in New York in the mid 80s. And they were doing this uh, raviolo with uh, white truffle and the ricotta inside and the egg yolk in the middle. And so here we did the porcini ricotta. Many restaurants, especially in the north of Italy, including uh, Del Pescatore, a wonderful restaurant that the nonna, the, the, the grandmothers, was making the pasta every day with, you know, the egg yolk from the farm next door, of course. And How do you cook that egg yolk inside? How, how is that done? You... The egg yolk is not cooked. So uh, basically you lay down your pasta sheets and uh, then you create a circle with a little hole in the middle. You create a ring of of a mousse of, of, of ricotta. We have we had porcini inside. We had a little bit of um, a shallots and a little bit of touch of reduction of Madeira. Okay. And then inside we put we put the fresh egg yolk. Then you put the other sheet of pasta over, and you delicately with your finger press around to make sure that you have this perfect round circle with the egg yolk not being crushed or break. Then you with a cutter. You secure it on one side, and then after you take a bigger cutter and you cut the border, then you make sure the border is well sealed, and that become a big raviolo. That was a very memorable meal for me. I, you know, a highlight of my year right there. What about you? Like, what what's a meal that you've had in the past year? I mean, you you know, a lot of times you're you're the one behind the meal, but wh- when was the last time you had a meal that just like it just blew you away? Well. I went back to Lyon and every year when I go back to Lyon, I go to Paul Bocuse because for me, not only I grew up with Paul Bocuse, he was a very close friend. I'm a very close friend of his son, Jerome Bocuse. I'm the godfather of Paul Bocuse Jr., the son of Jerome. And so it's a pilgrimage for me to always go to Paul Bocuse restaurant. And this time it was incredible because everything I had I knew the original dish, the very classic original, but I didn't know the interpretation and the new evolution, the evolution. And I think the the house of Paul Bocuse is 80 years old, or maybe 100 years old soon. <laughs> and it's a very classic place where you can have the chicken in a pig bladder. You can have dishes that are very classic and beautifully presented, but they also have a menu now that is really about the evolution of the house and the personal interpretation of the chef and the interpretation that is really up to date. And it's surprising in its technique, in its taste, in its composition, in its texture. And I was happily surprised because I felt like it's everything I came for and yet it's everything I never had. So, okay, so you bring up Lyon and Paul Bocuse is yes. obviously a, a reason to to go there. This is where you're but from. But there's originally. many other young rookies in Lyon that are fantastic. Yeah, talk <laughs> to us about it. I mean, in, in, even in general, not just the cooking, but, you know, what is attractive for someone as a traveler, an American traveler, let's say, to to go to that region rather than a Paris or, or some of the spots that they may have been already? If you go to Lyon, I will say that uh, there's few places that I always love to go because it is so classic and yet uh, very Lyonnais. And, but, you know, Lyon have a sense of hospitality and joie de vivre that is really special. And of course, the food is the center of life there. But I will start with Trois Gros, for example, in the north of Lyon, and Georges Blanc. And those two houses are 
really is, I mean, I worked at Georges Plan for two years and I know the wonderful house there and how exquisite the house is and they have a lot of rooms so you can stay there overnight. And the dining experience as well as just 50 years later, it's still an excitement to go there and it's an excitement to experience this hospitality, this cuisine. But one restaurant I love is La Meunière. La Meunière, it's a little bouchon where you are sitting on the little stool and the tables are small, but tables are covered with food and they will bring you a lot of different salads on the table like they do a lamb feet salad and they do all kind of like beef tongue salads and and then after you have the classic dishes like the canal or the sol souffle or uh, things that are very french or classic tête de veau poached calfheads or roast calfheads to me lyon is maybe the closest to Chinese cuisine where we use everything. We know how to use everything in cooking and we and make a, a lot dish. there's a lot that family style too where yes, you, know, you exactly. get a and, and we we know how to use everything and we know how to make great dishes with everything. And then there is a small restaurant and that's Le Supreme. Le Supreme is a husband and wife, Gregory and Yoon, his wife, she's Korean, he's French. And he always wanted to go to Lyon and cook in Lyon. And so I helped him open his small restaurants. And Le Supreme is of the beaten path. It's not in the tourist area. It's more in the blue collar neighborhood and all that. But it, it's a wonderful chef. And I love what he does. And I go and see him every year there. Wow. Uh, those are some great insider tips right there for Lyon. I think we, we all need to go on a culinary adventure yes. in, in Lyon. Yep. We are here in the Bahamas now. Very, very different. What is it you love about the cuisine here? What You, you have a, a restaurant here at the, at the Rosewood, Cafe Balut. What is it you love about Caribbean cuisine, Bahamas in particular, but then also, you know, how has that influenced your mindset in, as, a, as a chef? Well, I know the Caribbean for a long time. I've been to the Bahamas on occasion before I had Cafe Balut at the Rosewood. Of course, every time I come, I discover another new flavor, of course. Caribbean cuisine and Bahamian cuisine are very, not similar, but they live together a lot because they are all under the tropics and they are using often ingredients that are similar. But I never escape to use certain ingredients that are really emblematic with the Bahamas, like, for example, the conch. Last night, I don't know if you had a chance to add a little cocktail of a little uh, ceviche of conch and snapper. I did not we did, try that. Uh, yeah, with, I... a, with the watermelon and the paper. So we used some local paper, watermelon, the conch, and we made a ceviche with the lime and herbs, coriander, and also agroponic farm here on the island that are producing all our herbs and salad. That was, to me, the quintessential. So... I went once on the way to downtown here. I went to the fish market, what they call, and it's actually a bunch of fishermen who come and drop their things on the on the floor, on the <laughs> table, and then you choose the fish from there. There was a gentleman there doing some conch ceviche right on the, it was not a street, it was a square. And behind him, behind the square was, of course, the, the dock. And of course, every time you will get a conch out, Poof, he will toss the shell and there were a mountain of shell behind <laughs> mountain. I mean, the actually they do recycle like I think those shell and for the coral reefs and all that. 
but it was just fantastic watching him. And he had a manchetta for a knife and he was doing this chop, chop, chop. And he was so confident and so knowledgeable about conch and, and the flavor. And that, that ceviche made me was just memorable. And I need to go back and see him again because I wanted to hire him. That was before I opened the <laughs> restaurant here. And I'm like, oh God, we need somebody like him in the dining room doing the conch thing. And then, you know, snappers, a fish, seafood, of course, is prominent. Chicken, they love also chicken and they have their own seasoning and spicing for it. But I like the spirit, the people in the kitchen here at Café Boulou is my only restaurant where there is about 90% of ladies cooking in the kitchen. And it brings me back home when, uh, you know, I, I learned to cook with my grandmother and my mother, but also I work at La Mer Blanc, where there were many ladies working in the kitchen. It was a, a lady-managed kitchen, basically. I, I love to work with them because it seemed like we are not here to do business, but to give love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. is, that, is that something you're seeing more of now? Is Are you seeing a lot? Oh, of course, always. No, no, there's a lot of ladies working in our kitchen everywhere but not to that percentage here. And it, I don't know, it built itself like that. And the chef Antoine and Manon, Manon the sous chef, the lady, she's very happy and, and they have a lovely team. And I'm so proud of what we build here. And I'm constantly begging those ladies to cook for me something <laughs> bohemian. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back to hear about Chef Balud's favorite countries to travel to and eat. Okay, we've talked about the Bahamas and France, and I know you're from New York, obviously. You lived, you lived in New York for, for a long time. Where else do you like to travel? I mean, whether it's food or, or just for fun, like what are some of the destinations that have really stood out to you over the years that you, you just want to keep going back to and discovering more? Well, it's Japan. I've been to Japan 10 times. Oh, <laughs> I, really? Wow. I go okay. to Singapore often. Singapore is very interesting, but what I love about Japan is that there is a certain, there is seasonality, there is a fall, a winter, a spring, a summer. And this is also the cycle of their cuisine. And I think for French cuisine, if you take French cuisine in North Africa or France in North Africa, it will change everything because we will lose the season. You will lose all this sort of regional and micro-regional cuisine. Where are some of the places in Japan that you've, you've fallen in love with? I mean, 10 times you've, well, you've, you've explored a bit. I went to Japan many times from the, the center, from Tokyo to Kyoto. I went to Hokkaido. I went also to the Tohoku province, which uh, in a small village called Kamaishi. So about in 2011, which was 11 years ago, when the tsunami hit Japan, it was devastating. And in the north of Fukushima, it was about as north to Fukushima and it was, Tokyo was south of Fukushima. There's a small village called Kamaishi. And in that village, it was a fisherman's village. And it was also a factory for Nippon Steel. I had two customers who were dining at Daniel and I met them. And the gentleman was telling me, American gentleman was telling me that his guest was the president of Nippon Steel, that he really we like to make a gift for this village because they lost a lot of family. They lost a lot of, of their house, their family. They were living in different 
part of the little village, like, uh, you know, gymnasium and and he wanted to make a gift to them, something that will lift their spirit. So we flew to Japan with 10 chefs from New York and organized a dinner for the whole village. There were a couple of thousands of people. Then we had local chef helping and we had buses taking us to that little village down after a couple of hours of driving with buses, plane and buses. Anyway, we all arrived there on a Sunday morning we had kitchen installed for every chef that came with me from New York. And every chef was making a small dish. And by noon, the buses who took us to that village went around the village to pick up everybody and brought them to the stadium, the rugby stadium on the hill. And everybody was in line around the stadium and they started to come and with a tray had a dish of every chef and sat down in the middle of the grass in the stadium. And we did that for about four or five hours. And we left because we couldn't stay there. There was no hotel, no restaurant. But we made so many people so happy. That was really a wonderful mission. I mean, you, Chef Jose Andres, a lot have been kind of at the you know of forefront course, of helping of with a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, here in, uh, I mean, Jose in the Bahamas. Is a different had- dimension. And we always try to support our, our colleague, I mean, uh, during... During COVID, I did work for Jose also. Uh, we bought Central Kitchen. So Marcus also was very involved as well. And then I shift also all, many of my efforts to City Milan Wheels in New York, right. as I am the co-president of City Milan Wheels. And uh, Tell us about that. I know and your daughter's involved with that as well. And so tell us a little bit yeah, about well, that. Yeah, well, I usually program. involve the family to do something. <laughs> yeah, you so, make but, them do it. <laughs> <laughs> but City Milan Wheels, is, it's an organization that, was created actually by James Beer and Gail Green in the early 80s. And it was to support the elderly New Yorkers that could not get out of the house but didn't want to go to a, to a pension home. And today it's about 20 to 25,000 meals every day distributed around the city and emergency meals as well. And it's a good organization. It's a very New York-centric organization. And that must have been especially important during... The kind of the height of the pandemic very as much, well. Very much. And uh, I created uh, with my partner at Le Pavillon, the new restaurant I opened in New York. I create, we created a, a foundation called Food First. And Food First, we raised money to be able to give it to City Milan Wheel, but other also food shelter, food pantry, and food need around the city from first responder to many other organizations. So I, actually, your daughter just came up, but you have a, a young child as well. And, yeah. and I know you love to travel with them. And I, I actually want to hear about the, your water park experience here in the Bahamas. But what do you love about traveling with your children and, you know, at different ages and different stages? And, and where are some of the, the places that you've loved going with them? So I always travel with my children to their Desiree because sometimes I would take them to three-star restaurants and they would have to endure this three-hours meal. They'll <laughs> appreciate it someday. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, maybe, but it's still, it's still a sticky point. <laughs> but when my children, uh, my daughter was young, my first marriage, my first do- uh, my daughter, uh, Alix, we will travel all over the world. And then when she turned 15, 16, when she turned 16, I told my wife that I wanted to do a real trip every year, father-daughter, because I knew that I could do it for uh, at least a couple of years until uh, she was going to go on her own and right. Uh, right. Need, didn't need me anymore. 
And so we did South Africa, we did uh, Peru, we did, of course, in America, some trips and, uh, and Europe. And that was, that's always nice to do that, of course. Yeah. I remember once in the Caribbean, I came to Dominican Republic and we were at a resort there with a lot of golf course and I wanted to play golf. And of course, my daughter was 10 years old at the time and she hated golf. But now my son, I have a son who is eight-year-old now, and my daughter, Gigi, five-year-old, they love to go on vacation with me, and I play golf with my son. So that's good. <laughs> it's all good. Except for, yeah. except for the three Michelin star meals. They don't like yeah, that. Yeah, part, no, that, yeah. Uh, I don't impose that so much on them anymore. Yeah, no, I l- look, I, I have three. I'm- Two older ones and a, and a younger one who's now 10, but traveling alone with one of them at a time, you know, I've gone with my son to Namibia, I've gone with my oldest daughter to Japan and, uh-huh. and you know, taken, I actually just went with my two daughters to Ecuador, the, the, wow, the three of us went. Very cool. And I love that, you know, traveling with all of them or traveling with one at a time. And I think, you know, that it just, it, it's a different experience each time. Of course. And, and one at a time, there's that exchange that, you know, is rare because there's no one in between. And I think that's very wonderful. And let's face it, my 21-year-old doesn't want to hang out with her dad that much. But if I'm saying, hey, let's go, to, let's go take a trip to the Bahamas, then but, yes, uh, she's happy to join. Traveling with children, it's important to plan good thing for them, but also good thing for us, because it, it has to be an education for them as well. And we want them to learn about the culture. We want them to learn about the food. We want them to learn about you know, geography. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Chef Danielle Balut. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you, and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. Back to food. What are, you know, we talked about Japan, France. New York, but what, what what's a destination that you feel is kind of under the radar right now from a, a culinary perspective? You know, a place that has incredible cuisine that's worth traveling for, but but really hasn't gotten the attention. I mean, I know I know Scandinavia very well. I mean, to me, it's not under the radar, but they have an incredible cuisine, incredible chef is Israel, and I mean, and certain city in the Middle East like Lebanon. I mean, Lebanon, Turkey. Israel, the whole Middle East, and even Cairo, there's some very good places, but not always, you know, in the tourist pad. Okay, so path. selfishly, I'm I'm going to Israel in three, going? In three weeks, and wow. so uh, tell me a little bit about that. I want to I want to hear like well, what, your, will, what your tips are. Uh, I was in Israel quite a while ago, and I know that there is always a new generation of chef coming, but they have amazing ingredient, 
and I love the simplicity of their cuisine and the cl- it's it's very sharp, very clean. They borrow from, of course, Eastern Mediterranean and Western Mediterranean. So there's that Italian, Greek, North African a bit, but also a lot from the Eastern Mediterranean of the entire Middle Eastern palette. But they have it in a very sort of sharp, clean, soulful way. It's almost like they know how to refine things that make it very fresh and delicate and light and healthy. But for the restaurant, I would have to dress up a list with my friend who goes there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I will be looking for that. What's next for you? What's next uh, travel? What's next for you as a restaurateur? Well, this year, I'm going to try to not do too much. I just came back from Singapore. I was in Mexico last week as well. So I'm going to try to ease the travel and work on my new project. I have a couple of projects in New York. We are looking to do something in London too. and. No, I think the focus is New York. And the focus, of course, is always my restaurant. Restaurant Daniel, Le Pavillon, Bar Boulou, Boulou Sud. I'm looking forward to reopen Café Boulou because during COVID, the hotel went bankrupt. The building was sold. So I was there for almost 30 years, 28 years in that location. In New York. On the Upper East Side, yeah, for Café Boulou. And so we have been actively looking and we have a space and we should be good at going there in the early next year. So that will join Café Boulou Toronto and of course Bahamas and Palm Beach. Also Le Gratin is a new bistro I just opened. So we're working hard on this one. Very, very fun and very Lyonnais. For once, I really created a restaurant that is more about my hometown and how I grew up with than creating something more contemporary. It was a restaurant before and I took it over and created Le Gratin. Le Gratin is this symbolic dish that I grew up with, which is a gratin dauphinois or anything gratiné with cheese or something. And I felt that to me, sometime in Lyon, many restaurants, they are named after some strange name that is associated with food. (laughs) And so I felt Le Gratin will be very soulful. And it's about my mother's recipe. It's about what I grew up with. And then I do a canal, which is a, a pike dumpling. I call it a pike dumpling, but it's a canal in Lyon. And it's a canal au gratin, where it has a mushroom bechamel, the pike dumpling, and then covered with gruyere cheese. And then you bake that, and it, it's souffle in the oven. Wow. And it's quite delicious. <laughs> okay, well, we started with, we started with truffles, <laughs> and we ended with a pike Gratin dumpling. I, voilà. I, I love it. That, that, is, that sounds fantastic. Well, Chef, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been thank fantastic you. talking to you and hearing about your food and your and travels look, and everything. And I look forward to uh, see you in LA because I'm opening next year on Wilshire and Palm at the um, Mandarin Residence. It's a new residence on, in yeah. uh, Los Angeles, and uh, there'll be a Café Boulou there. Fantastic. So, okay, so we did get some breaking news. <laughs> you know, I'm very excited about that. All right. Yeah, well, I will be that's there. What I, could I will talk be there ready. I'll be looking for the, uh, for the truffle ravioli. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks a lot. And now for the Wall and Wrap Up. What a pleasure it was speaking with Chef Daniel Balloud today on the show. You know, he, like so many other people I've spoken with, particularly chefs, brought up Japan as a favorite destination. 
He also talked about traveling with his kids and how they don't always appreciate all the incredible Michelin-starred restaurants that he drags them into. Japan is definitely one of those places that can be fantastic for kids, but sometimes the food can be a bit you know, challenging if they're not accustomed to the flavors and, and smells of, of seafood that pretty much pervade everything there. I took my oldest daughter to Japan when she was 15, and it was perfect. She was old enough to be adventurous and try new things and to kind of understand just how different it was when we were eating blowfish or cornet fish or just the most incredible melt-in-your-mouth, mind-blowing tofu ever. But if I had taken her even a couple years earlier, I don't think she would have appreciated the majority of what we were eating. Now, of course, all kids are different. But there are definitely culinary destinations that are a little more friendly for younger palates, places like Italy and Mexico, of course. And then there are others that we might have on our culinary bucket list, but that don't really work all that well with kids. I took my two older kids to, to Peru a few years back, and we ate at two of the like world's top 10 restaurants at the time, and my kids hated them. <laughs> totally, totally hated them. This summer, I'm taking my two daughters, who are now 22 and 11, to Thailand for the first time. I am super excited about Thailand. I've never been, and I'm especially excited after speaking to Chef Gregory Gourdet, who's my guest on the next episode of Travel That Matters, and he knows all about Thailand. However, my youngest daughter is not a fan of spicy food, so I'm thinking that Thailand might be a bit of a challenge for her. But challenges, of course, and differences in smells and tastes and textures and all these things are what make for the very best travel experiences and the best memories. So my advice, at the end of the day, whether they like it or not, your kids are getting exposed to incredible experiences and tastes. So drag them along, take them on that Michelin-starred meal, and have the time of your life. I'd like to thank Chef Danielle Baloud for joining us today on Travel That Matters. For more information about Chef Balud and his restaurants, please check out our show notes or visit kurtco.com backslash travel that matters. Travel that matters is produced for Kurtco Media by AJ Mosley. Marketing by Katrin Skapertis. Music by Joey Salvia. I'm Bruce Wallen, and we will see you down the road. <laughs>